0: neighborhood, and a pine tree in the center of town where they string blue lights every Veterans Day. There's a bulb for every resident of Thessaly who died in a war, dating back as far as the Revolution. There are 117 bulbs in all. Unnoticed, we played our part, and there's plenty of pride in that. My neighborhood A converted plot of swamp and woodland that was supposed to attract urban refugees is the town's newest, built in the 1950s, a time when, as my mom constantly reminded me, families were families. Enough people bought in to justify its existence, but it hasn't grown. At the age of eight, I realized that all the houses in the neighborhood were built from the same four architectural plans— They were angled differently and dressed in different skins, but their skeletons were anything but unique. The Loomis house had the same skeleton as my house, and I guess you could say that Fiona Loomis, the girl who lived inside that house, the girl who would change everything, had the same skeleton as me. It just took me a long time to realize it. To be clear, Fiona Loomis was not the girl next door. It isn't because she lived seven houses away. It's because she wasn't sweet and innocent, and I didn't pine for her. She had raven black hair, and a crooked nose, and a voice that creaked. We'd known each other when we were younger, but by the time we'd reached seventh grade, we were basically strangers. Our class schedules sometimes overlapped, but that didn't mean much. Fiona only spoke when called upon and always sighed her way through answers as if school were the ultimate inconvenience. She was unknowable in the way that all girls are unknowable, but also in her own way. I'd see her around the neighborhood sometimes because she rode her bike for hours on end, Circling the streets with the ragged ribbons on her hand grips shuddering, and her eyes fixed on the overhanging trees, even when their leaves were gone and they were shivering themselves to sleep. On the handlebars of her bike, she duct taped a small tape recorder that played heavy metal as she rode. It wasn't so loud as to be an annoyance, but it was loud enough that you'd snatch growling whispers of it in the air as she passed. I didn't care to know why she did this. If she was out of my sight, she was out of my thoughts. Until one afternoon, Friday the 13th of all days, she rang my doorbell. Fiona Loomis, wearing a neon green jacket. Fiona Loomis, her arms cradling a box wrapped in the Sunday comics. Fiona Loomis, standing on my front porch, said, Alistair Cleary, happy 13th birthday. She handed me the box. I looked over her shoulder to see if anyone was behind her. It's October. My birthday isn't for a few months. I'm still 12, and... I know that but you'll have a birthday eventually. Consider this an early present. And with a nod, she left, scurried across the lawn and hopped back on her bike. I waited until she was halfway down the street to shut the door. Box on my hip, I skulked to my room. I wouldn't say I was scared when I tore the paper away, but I was woozy with the awareness that I might not understand anything about anything because an old wool jacket filled the box, and that recorder from her handlebars, still sticky and stringy from the duct tape, sat on top of the jacket. A cassette in the deck wore a label that read, Play Me. Greetings and salutations, Alistair. Fiona's voice creaked even more when played through the flimsy speaker, but it was a friendly creak. I hope this recording finds you, and finds you well. You've got to be wondering what it's all about, so I'll get right to it. You have been chosen, Alistair, out of many fine and distinguished candidates to pen my biography.